Hello again, and welcome back to Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I'm going to be your host today. Now, I have a little cold, and so you get to have deeper-voiced Monica today, but I think that might actually be a good thing because I've been told that this is my radio voice. Once upon a time when I worked in a box office for a local music venue, I was talking to one of the music producers and my voice was in the same octave that it is now. And he was like, whoa, your voice, have you thought about doing radio? And I was like, actually, my voice is totally not like this all the time. It's way higher. And he was like, oh, Never mind. So, hey, this is exciting. You guys get to listen to Low Voice Monica today as I talk through the questions that you should be asking web design companies before they build your site. I know that we've all gotten ourselves into situations before where we don't know exactly what questions to ask to learn what we need to know to get what we need to have out of the conversation that we're having. I have that situation every time I take my kids to the doctor. I take them to the doctor. The doctor's like, this is what's wrong with the kid. This is what you should do. And I say, okay. And then I get home and Mike, my husband, asks me 10,000 questions about what's going on. And I can't answer any of them because I never even thought of them. And quite frankly, I didn't even know the words to ask the questions. I didn't know what the stuff was called. It's a really defeating feeling. And that's not how I want you to feel when you go into building your next website. I want you to feel informed and confident and capable of choosing the absolute right company for you to build this website. Because when you hire a company to build your website, you're hiring a part-time employee for a period of time. You have to work with them closely and they're going to take care of you and work for you and with you through this process. So it needs to be a decision that you make both with your gut, knowing that you like the person and you feel like you can trust them, but then also with your mind, knowing that they are going to deliver the thing that you think that they're gonna deliver in the end. So to get you to that point where you feel super comfortable and in control, I'm going to review 10 different categories that I feel like you need to discuss with your potential web developers and then also give you questions within each category specifically to ask them so you know exactly what web lingo to use and you can understand exactly what you might be getting from this relationship. All right, let's go through the questions. Let's get to business. If you're a natural-born marketer, you're one lucky son of a gun. If you're like most people, marketing, especially online marketing, is about as appealing as standing in a police lineup. The May Create team of creatives has transformed websites and digital marketing from craptastic to fantastic since 2005. Our podcast, Marketing with Purpose, makes sense of marketing so you can make purposeful decisions instead of carrying on with the same old crap you've been doing. And now your host, Monica Pitts, founder of May Create, with another episode on how to make your marketing not suck. Okay, so I'm going to go all teacher on you here with this episode because there's a lot of stuff to cover and it's really specific. So I want to start at the top by listing out the 10 categories that I want you to discuss with your potential web developers. First, number one, check references. Two, their general site building practices. Three, site updates. Four, hosting. Five, your domain name. Six, the scope of work. Seven is browser and device compatibility. Eight is the time frame. Nine 
is pricing and 10 is your exit plan. All right, so let's go into those each individually, starting with, of course, number one, which is checking references. Now, I know that this sounds crazy, but if you were going to employ somebody, if you were hiring an employee, you would check their references. And you know that those people are only going to give you the most glowing, amazing references out on their website. So I would suggest doing the same thing that you would do before hiring an employee, which is call a couple people and see what it was like to work with this web developer. You can ask them if they were happy with their design and happy with the process. Ask them if the work was completed in a timely manner. Ask them if they had it to do all over again. Would they hire the same company? Now, even if they answered the other questions really positively, if they tell you that they wouldn't work with them again and they don't have a viable reason that makes sense to you why they wouldn't do it again, that's probably a pretty good indicator that this might not actually be a great company to work with. And then the last question would be, did they pay what they expected for the site? You could ask the company that you're interviewing for references. Of course, they're going to give you good references. You could also just go to their portfolio and you could call the businesses that they have listed in their portfolio. And if the company does not have a portfolio, then they're probably not an awesome company. I would never hire any designer without a portfolio. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It doesn't matter if they're an employee for my company or a subcontractor of some kind. I have to see their work. I have to see proof of work that they have completed something for someone else that didn't just come out of their own head before I'm going to hire them. They have to have worked for other companies, not just done a school project. Unless what you're planning on doing is getting into a relationship with a student to give them experience and you feel like you can mentor them through this project. That's a different story then. And of course, as you are speaking to these people, if they grant you the time to speak with them, just make sure that you are very clear in and objective in their review of this company's performance because people don't always tend to have the best memory. <laughs> and so definitely try to put yourself in the shoes of that person and see the project through their eyes, see the project through the developer's eyes. And just like any other review, make sure that you feel like it applies to your particular situation before you allow it to sway you one way or the other. Boom. All right. So let's close category number one. You now know that you need to check references and what questions to ask. So moving on to the second category that I want you to talk about, which is just the general build principles of the company. How do they build websites? I need you to ask them, will they be using subcontractors for your project? Sometimes you feel like they're going to have all these great, knowledgeable staff members, and that might be a value that you have in your company. I know it's a value that I have in my company. We seldom use subcontractors. We almost always work with people on our staff to provide services to our clients because it's the best way to control the process and to control the quality of work that I have found. But if that's not something that you care about, then it's okay if they're using subcontractors. It's really good to know, however, what parts of your project they might be contracting out because those parts could potentially cause delays. And you just, yeah, there you go. Just understand how their business runs. Is it subcontracted or do they have all the people on staff working on your project? Okay. So another general question is, will they be designing you a custom site or will they be using a template to build your site? And I mean that in two ways. One is like, are they designing the design from scratch, like the actual artwork, or are they going to be pulling a design from a design library? 
And then the second piece of that is, are they going to be coding your template from scratch or are they using a base framework for your template? They could be using a base framework that's universally used for different types of websites, or they could be coding it from scratch. Either way is okay. It's just if you're used to one system, it's good to understand what they're doing. Now, the last general, general question that I want you to ask them before I get into WordPress-specific questions is, are any of the parts of your site going to be built from scratch? Now, I know I just talked about templates being built from scratch, and that's one thing. I'm talking more about functionality here. Let's say that you're going to have a events section and it's going to be really robust. Are they going to build that from scratch? And is this going to be like the cornerstone of your business that's going to help it run? There can be really good and bad things from that. When you have something that's built from scratch, then you can make it however you want it to be. But if something goes south with your developer, if they get hit by a bus or maybe they just stop responding to your emails, there's not going to be someone else who's just going to want to pick up and really work in their code because it's not fun and it's not easy to work in somebody else's brain. And it's just the same way when you're looking at somebody's code because it's, you know, in their brain and then they spit it out and it made stuff work, right? Okay, so so just take note of what they say, okay? And then make the best decision for you. Obviously, you get to make your own decisions, not me. I'm not making this decision for you. This is all you, friend. And if you think it's the best thing to build it from scratch, then do it. But if you can find another system that's very widely used and accepted that you might use instead, that might be great insurance for you if it's truly going to be the cornerstone of your business. Or maybe you've worked with this company before and they're total rock stars and you know they're going to come through for you and they're not going to get hit by a bus. It's up to you. The next thing I want you to talk to them about is what platform do they build sites on? Are they going to build you something on Squarespace or Wix or WordPress or something that's completely custom? You need to understand that so that way you can be confident that you're going to be able to work the system and it's going to be the right thing that can extend for your company. Just because they can do what you need to have done now in a system doesn't mean that you can do all the things you want to do in the future for your website in that same system. If you're not sure what platform is right for your site, I want you to hop over to a couple other podcasts that we have. One is five decisions you need to make before you build your new website. And I'm going to take you through the decisions that you need to make about the new website and talk some about the different systems that you might use. And then another one that you're really going to like is Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, WordPress, What's the Difference? And I go into different parts of those operating systems and talk through their pros and cons. So if you're not sure what system is right for you, go listen to those podcasts. They will serve you. And the other person that should be serving you as well is your web developer. They should be helping you make these decisions. I think you just need to make it clear to them what you want to do with the future of your website so that way they can make sure that they're building it the right way to achieve those goals for you. Okay, so let's say that you want to build your website on WordPress. WordPress is gonna be your platform. If you are building your website on WordPress, you need to ask them what page builder do they use? Because if you are used to working in a specific page builder, you'll wanna make sure that they're gonna use the same one so that way you don't have to learn how to use another one. And there's lots of different ones, so just ask. Next, you need to ask them, how do they use plugins? Because there's two different schools of thoughts with plugins and page builders in WordPress. So some web developers use lots of plugins. They use them all the time to add features like featured posts or to 
add additional formatting to the website. And that is not the belief that my company adheres to, but some people do it that way. Now, what I find is that if somebody is putting lots of plugins in your site, it's not ideal because it tends to slow down the load of your site, so it'll take longer for your site to load. And it's usually an indicator of a less experienced designer because they don't know how to actually get in and modify the template using the core system of WordPress to make it do what you want it to do. More experienced developers tend to use plugins the second way, which is they use them as needed. Most of the features that you need from your website would be derived from extending the features of the core WordPress functionality, but then there are some times where it is just way more efficient to use a plugin to give you everything that you need out of your website. So I'm not saying don't ever use plugins. They are absolutely awesome and it will save you time and money to use them, but just don't use them for absolutely every loving thing or else you're going to end up bloating your site, slowing it down, and potentially creating security risks with all those extra loopholes for hackers to get in through those plugins. All right, so we've got two down and we have eight more to go. And I swear that not all of these are as intensive as the first two. I feel like they took way more explaining than I thought they were going to take. Okay, so let's move on to number three, which is site updates. And by site updates, I mean the things that they're going to do for you after the website is live. So ask them how long will they be supporting the site after it's taken live. Most companies have a grace period, so that way you can ask them questions about how to use the site and get used to the user interface with support after the site is taken live. So just ask them how long is that grace period. Also ask them are software updates included. For some platforms, this isn't going to be a problem like Wix, Weebly, Squarespace. Those companies, they're providing all of those updates for you. But if you're building a custom WordPress site with a developer, then the software is going to have to be updated periodically and actually pretty often. So just ask them, are the software updates included and plugin updates included? And then how much are they going to be per year? Also ask them if they're going to provide training like and, and how they're going to do that training. Is it going to be live or is it just a training guide? Is it a series of videos? So that way you know if they're going to teach you how to update your website. And that is the end of site updates. See, that wasn't so bad. I told you they, don't, they weren't all going to be like a complete dictionary of web design crap. Okay, so after you talk about site updates with them, I also want you to talk about hosting. Now, once again, if you are Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, hosting is actually included in the platform. However, if you're building a WordPress site or a Joomla site or another a Drupal site, there's going to have to be hosting involved. So just ask the company, where's the site going to be hosted and how much does it cost? And if you're feeling super brave, you might even ask them if you can have like a username and password to get into your FTP space and a username and password to get into your site hosting admin area. I'm not talking about like the admin area of your website. I'm talking about like the admin area of your hosting company's website. So that way, if things do go south, you know, you have all the details that you need to boop, move that website and let somebody else take over. Okay, so that's all of hosting. The fifth thing I want you to talk to them about is your domain name. Now, if you already own your domain name, then you can pretty much just skip this. But if you don't own a domain name right now, then then you need to understand if they're buying it for you, do they own it or do you own it? Like, are they going to keep it even if you don't do business with them anymore? Or is it yours forever to use however you want to? And then also ask them, what does it cost? And how often will you pay for your domain name? Because some companies charge you every year and some companies charge you every two years. It's just nice to know for budgeting purposes. 
Okay, so let's move on to number six, our scope of work. You need to understand who's doing what and what's included in this estimate that they're gonna give you. So ask them, who's going to write the content for your pages? You cannot assume that they're going to write it because they may very well not be. You might be writing it. And also ask them, is editing included? If they're not writing it, they might be editing it, which that's also just good to know. One more thing off your plate, right? Ask about search engine optimization. Is there any of that included in your estimate, especially if that's important to you? Now, if you are designing with a group of people that you have to make happy, or if you're just really picky, or maybe you don't know it until you see it, you should probably ask them about how many revisions you get to different parts of the site. A design company cannot make money if they have to redo something a million times. They just can't. So there's nothing wrong with them setting a boundary and telling you, hey, this is the end of the revisions process. It's actually really great because as the client, it forces you to make a decision and come to terms with what you're doing and move on to the next thing. Everybody needs closure in one phase of the project before they move to the next phase of the project to be happy with it at the end. So Having a limited number of revisions is all good. You just need to understand what happens if you're not happy at the end of that revision cycle. Do you just request more revisions and they're billed hourly? What does that do to the timetable of the project? So ask those questions if you are designing for a group of people, like if you have a committee that you're working with, or if you're a super picky person. That's okay, you get to be picky, it's all good. Just gotta understand what happens if you're super picky. Now, the next question that I want you to ask them is, if you need to add something to your site during the build process, how will that work? Especially if you're building something that's a little bit more complicated, like right now we're in the middle of building our Better Than DIY website program learning management system, which allows people to watch all the course content online. And as we're going through it, I'm learning more and more about what my expectations are for this learning management system. I don't know, I haven't built one for myself before. We've built one for other people and we know how to guide them through it, but we haven't done it in quite this fashion. So I'm learning as I go. I'm adjusting the scope of my project. What would that look like if that was something you had to do? Now, if you're a super simple website and what you have to do is maybe just add a page, you can ask them, what would happen if I wanted to add a page during the project? And they'll probably tell you that it's a specific dollar amount and that's great. Now, if you are like me and you're doing a more robust programming feature on your website like a learning management system, it's just really good to understand what might happen in the process if you need to change your mind or adjust features. And then along those same lines, you can ask them what types of changes incur additional costs and which are just included in the original estimate. Because if it's something like changing a color on every single title across the board, you feel like that's gonna take a lot of time. But if you build websites like we build websites, it's literally two clicks and all of it will change. So you can change the colors of your titles or the fonts of your titles whenever you want to. And there's lots of little things like that throughout a website that you might think would be a huge bother, but they're really not. But then there's things that you might not think would be a huge bother that actually are, like maybe you wanna reformat the whole footer of your site. Well, that takes time because it was set up and programmed to look like it does, and now we need to go back and make it different. So just ask them, what are the types of things that incur charges and what doesn't, what's included? Okay, so I told you I was gonna go like all out teacher style on you and I am going to because I wanna recap the categories that we've covered before I move on because I mean, there's 10 categories, right? So we talked about checking references, their general build practices, 
site updates, hosting, your domain name, and then we just covered scope of work. Now, the next thing I want you to talk to them about is device and browser compatibility. And you know what? Back in the day, this used to be a way bigger discussion. And now most web developers should be doing this, but it's just good to know that they are actually doing it. So just ask them, will they be optimizing the site to display correctly on multiple browsers and on multiple devices? And you can ask them if there's anything that they're not going to optimize it for. For example, maybe you have software in your office that refuses to work if it's not on Internet Explorer. I am so sorry if that's the case. That is just awful. Because here's the deal. Internet Explorer is dead. There is no Internet Explorer anymore. And if you don't know that, then, well, now you do. And I'm sorry. But so it's gone. And we don't optimize for it anymore because there will never be another release of Internet Explorer. Internet Explorer rolled into the Edge browser for Microsoft. And now it's just Edge. And it's not Internet Explorer. And they don't work the same anymore. And so we don't build websites for them anymore. So just because you have to use Internet Explorer to use software in your office does not mean anyone else is using it to look at the web. Yeah. All right. So that public service announcement is over. Moving on to time frame. You need to ask the company that you're interviewing how long a project like yours typically takes to get through. And then ask them to provide you a sample project timeline. Now, people do not like doing this. I love doing this because this is how we get work done on time is timelines. But a lot of people will not give it to you. Ask them for it. I feel like it's mandatory or else you're not going to know when your stuff is due to them. And then you could hold up the project because you didn't know. There is nothing worse than being in being the client on a project and having people not tell you when your stuff is due. And then they call you up like a day before and they're like, hey, I really need this from you. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. I don't have time to figure this out. Now you're like putting me under pressure to make this decision. And I feel very out of control in this process. Hey, friend, I don't want you to feel that way. So you ask them for that calendar, okay? They should give it to you. And if they don't, well, then maybe they're not the right person to work with. Okay, and then the last question I do want you to ask them about the time frame is what happens if the project isn't completed on time and I don't want to play the blame game here but like what happens if they're the holdup and what happens if you're the holdup I don't want to brag but like one of our strengths as a company is fulfilling our deadlines that's why we've got all those calendar things yeah (laughs) so we can get stuff done on time for you but we have a lot of clients who get held up during their regular jobs which makes perfect sense because that's what they do to get paid and then they don't have time to do things like write their content or review their pages or they have to move a meeting back because something else came up that's totally forgivable i get it but at a certain point in time something has to give in the project because the may create team runs multiple projects at once and we won't be able to get your project done on time because we have other work that we promised to other clients that's already scheduled. And if you're working with a smaller company, also, you need to have some empathy for them. If you're not making your deadlines, then they're not going to get paid on your project. They're going to have to take on other work. And you can't be surprised if it takes priority over yours because you've waited too long to get your stuff into the designer. So just ask them, like, what happens if the project isn't completed on time? Okay, so we are almost there, friends. Stick with me. Number nine is pricing. So ask them, 
are stock photos or icons, like different graphic elements included in the cost of building your site or will you have to pay additional for them? Sometimes you might want to have a crazy video that's stock video. Well, you might have to pay for that and it's just good to know up front. And if you do end up having to buy or download those elements, you can ask them to download them at a high resolution so that way you could use those icons or those photos in your print advertising if you'd like to as well. Ask them, do you own your site once it's paid in full? This is super important because there are companies that write contracts that say that they own your site even after it's paid in full, which I think is total crap because if you paid for a house, you would get the house. I think if you pay for the website, you should get the website, but you gotta check the contract or else you won't know. Then ask them, is the estimate a fixed bid which would mean that it's not gonna change unless you change the scope of the project. So if you added more pages, if you added a shopping cart, clearly the price of the project would change because it's a different amount of work. But if you stayed within the original scope of work that you originally agreed upon, you would pay the price that they have in the estimate for the site, regardless of whether it took them longer or shorter to build the site. And then the alternate though is that you might have a sliding range, which means that there would be a clause in the contract that says the estimate for the site is this much, not to exceed 20% or 10% or whatever percentage of that cost. That can get tricky. And then you could end up paying 20% more on your website. And if you have a like $10,000 website, 20% more is a lot more money. So make sure that you pay attention to that clause. And then last but not least on pricing, just make sure that you understand any other uh, annual or monthly costs that are not covered in the estimate. And I did a podcast over just this type of thing named the hidden and recurring costs of building a site. So that way you can listen to it and learn the exact items that often come up on an annual or recurring basis for your website so you can ask them about those things specifically. Which brings me to our 10th and final talking point, which is exit plan. Now, I know you're at the beginning of the relationship and you haven't even made a relationship with them, but friends, if I've learned anything in my 17 years of business, it's that even the best of friends need an exit plan if they're gonna be doing business together. So especially if you're doing this with a friend or a family member, you need to have a mutual agreement about what might happen if it doesn't all work out. Or, man, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Everybody gets so mad at each other and it can ruin your relationship or your friendship. It's easier if you don't have a pre-existing relationship with someone, but don't let business ruin something that's great in your personal life. Okay, so with that, just make sure that you understand what happens if you want to move to another company. Let's say you know right after the design phase that it just isn't going to work out, but you love your design. Do you get to take it with you? You should know that, right? So just make sure that you understand what your rights are in the relationship if you want to end it at any point in time. And then ask them, hey, once the site is done, can I switch hosting companies? Because maybe you're unhappy with the hosting service or maybe you want to switch to another provider and have another company maintain your site for you. Whichever it is, just ask them if it's possible to ever switch hosting companies. Not that you intend to, but it's good to know. And then last but not least, ask them, all right, so if I do end this relationship, what does that offboarding process look like? 
And does it cost money? Because there are certain things that we absolutely do for our clients for free, and then there are other things we are not going to do for them for free. Like I will absolutely give you all of your files and grant you access to everything. That's perfectly fine. It's your stuff. I should never keep it from you. On the other hand, if you feel like I should be moving your site to a new web hosting place, or if your new provider starts calling me and emailing me and asking me how I built the site and wanting me to counsel them through moving it to another server. And yes, they totally do that. I'm not going to do it for free. I'm sorry. I'm just not. They're going to have to figure it out on their own because if you chose them to take care of your site, they should know how to do that stuff. And if you want me to teach them how to do it, that's cool. But you should definitely pay me for that. Okay, enough of all that exit plan nonsense. That was number 10. Okay, friends, so now you have all of the questions that you need to be able to evaluate your web designers. Remember that you are going to check their references. You are going to ask them about their general site building practices. Ask them about site updates, hosting, your domain name, get clarification for the scope of work. Talk about browser and device compatibility, the time frame, the pricing, and even though you don't want to do it, you're going to talk about that exit plan because, friend, you will thank yourself for it in the long run. Future you will thank today's you for having that conversation. Now, in case you didn't get all of these things written down, we do have a blog post for you that you can go check out and read these questions. So hop on over to maycreate.com, that's M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com, and you can click on our blog page. That's where you're going to find all the show notes and any type of blog post that we have over any podcast that we do on the Marketing with Purpose podcast. And if you feel like you want to use these questions to interview maybe my company to build you a website, you can totally do that. You just need to talk to Stacy. She is the gal to know because she will get you a site outline and an estimate and really just take you through the whole website planning process. That's part of our onboarding and first initial consultation. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to talk to Stacy, but you could. She's super awesome. Anyway, you can email her at Stacy at Maycreate.com. S-T-A-C-Y at M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E dot com. I know that she would love to hear from you and know that our podcast actually brought leads into our company. Yay. Okay. So thank you so much for your time today. And until next time, go forth and market with purpose. Thanks again for listening to Marketing with Purpose. Head over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com. Yeah, you heard me right, M-A-Y-E-Create.com. For podcast notes and more resources to grow your business. Don't let your marketing suck. Get your pride on. Market with Purpose.